Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Erica. Erica is a mom to a nonverbal autistic son who has a chromosome deletion. She is receiving her graduate certification in the autism spectrum disorders. You already have that, right? You earned it. Yes, I finished a few weeks ago. Yes, I know when you filled this out, like you hadn't done it yet, but I'm like, I saw it. (laughs) Uh, She also has a bachelor's of science in psychology. She currently works from home to spread awareness and understanding about autism and parenting through her blog, a millennial's guide to special needs parenting to break the stigma around autism and other disabilities and mental illnesses. Yeah. Stigma is my, my, uh, interest when it comes uh-huh. to things. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, stigma is my jam, <laughs> uh, which ironically, when I started the podcast, I didn't realize that, but the, like the whole premise of the podcast is to share stories. So like it can shift perspectives and I'm like, oh, Hey, I've been doing this this whole time. So, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Erica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about your son, about what it's been like since he was born. I know uh, you and I are friends on Facebook. We've known each other for quite a while. Um, Our spouses worked together at one point in time. Um, And this was, this was something that's, it's rare, the chromosome deletion. Like you found out that not many people. Yeah. So far we've touched base with only two other families in the world. Wow. And we are the only ones that we know of. There have been a few, but they tend to have um, multiple deletions. Gotcha. Our kids are the only ones where, like, that's the primary deletion. They're missing the um, 8Q21.3 chromosome. So it's um, one of the arms of the eighth chromosome. And they're just missing a tiny little segment from it. But it's crazy how much it impacts. So they don't know a lot about it. Doctors don't know a lot about it. No, they told us there was no medical significance that they knew of. So basically the only reason we found each other is um, through a chromosome rare disease group. Um, I just Googled chromosome like outreaches yeah. like, to find out what I could find. And um I met up with one of the moms while well, I got her email. And um, so we exchanged correspondence and our kids both are nonverbal autistic, um, actually very close in age, only six months apart. So she was the only one that had registered with the same deletion. So on Facebook, I found a chromosome eight group and joined that and posted what my son had. And didn't get any hits for the first, I mean, like three months. And then one random day I opened Facebook and I had a notification and it was super exciting because her son is actually, um, he just turned 13. So, yeah, so it was really awesome to know somebody that had an older kid with this. And 
she did not know of anybody else with it. Her, I felt so bad her whole time raising him for 13 years. You know, you know something's wrong and you know nobody else in the world with it. Right. So it was great to connect. And um, her son is autistic as well. He's not nonverbal, but he has a few physical disabilities that after us talking, um, we were able to figure out that David actually shares some of them. Like, oh, they have a specific walk almost, um, mm. almost kind of like a limp and um, different shaped fingers, like widening at the tips rather than the base. So it's pretty crazy what we figured out with it. It's um, it's amazing that y'all are having to like wade through this on your own um, because it is so rare and and there's not a lot going on. Like I've I've I too feel for that mom who all by herself she was just like I I don't know uh, I don't know I don't have anybody else to talk to like mm-hmm. I don't understand what's going on I, I wonder is do you know if the autism is related to the chromosomal deletion for for your specific children not all children obviously yeah of course I would say probably um but there's really no way we know there's so many right. in my research at least I found so many genes that they feel are connected to it Right. But they can't seem to pinpoint it. And it's really, it's, I think that kind of really goes to show the spectrum that autism really is. Like every mm-hmm. kid with it is so different. Yeah. And I think it's just like, it always presents differently. No two autistic individuals are the same. So mm-hmm. it really does make you wonder what genetics are really involved. Yeah. I have two girls in my psych research class. So it's a two-part class. I'm about to start the second part. Mm-hmm. And they both have talked about how they have autism, but they are completely different in how it presents. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, also both have ADHD. So <laughs> also have completely different ways that it presents. Um, so yeah, it's, it's amazing, but that's, that goes with pretty much any mental illness, right? Like they all present Mm -hmm. in different manners. Me with bipolar disorder is different than somebody, some of the other people I know with bipolar disorder. Um, Thankfully the internet has connected me with quite a few people who have bipolar disorder. So I'm able to see, but like I'm part of a bipolar disorder group and, you know, people will post and um, it sucks when somebody comments, well, I don't, I don't experience that that's, that can't be a thing. I don't experience it. And it's like mm-hmm. we all experience, we all have different symptoms. Um, so it, you know, all of it, there's a spectrum when it comes to, and now I know autism, autism has like a wide spectrum. There's so many different. Oh yeah. But so many things, things really do. Yeah. I mean, and and our brains are just so different when they did. Um, so when they mapped the human genome, like the human mm-hmm. genome product pro- uh, project, they have found that there's not one gene that they can pinpoint that causes certain mental illnesses. So they can't be like, this is the depression gene. This is the bipolar gene. They've been able to pinpoint multiple genes they think contribute to a mental illness, Mm -hmm. but it's so complex, right? And there's so much going on. So when, when did you guys find out like there's something going on here? Um, David, he, it's funny. Cause looking back now, I see a lot of signs that I easily miss. Right. But, um, around 18 months, we realized 
nothing was progressing. And okay. so we just kind of started wondering, I guess. And um, by two, I was pretty sure there was something going on. The problem I had was, honestly, as crazy it sound, as it sounds, um, it was really kind of convincing people that something was wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he he talked for a little while, not full sentences, but he had a few words and he was social and, I mean, relatively normal appearing child, but I just knew something, I knew something mm-hmm. was wrong. Well, I hate the term wrong. I, I knew something was different. Different. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it really... For us, luckily, we had an amazing pediatrician. Mm. So she actually, um, like, listened to me and went ahead and referred me to a developmental pediatrician because the wait list is, like, a year long. Wow. In the best cases. And um, so she referred us to that, and we surprisingly got in within six months, which it's is still a long of. way. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's such yeah. a long wait, but... It's so sad that we were so excited that it was so fast. Right. Like, that's just kind of the state of our (laughs) healthcare, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, I know. I can talk about that for hours. (laughs) Right. Um, We get in there and, I mean, immediately, you know, I will never forget this because it just, it made me laugh so hard. For some reason, I really feared that I would have a hard time getting his diagnosis. Because at that point, I was positive. I knew what it was. I knew it was autistic. I mean, he had the stems down. What are stems? Um, Tell people what stems are. Because I don't know what they are. (laughs) Okay, stems. So um, it's short for stemming. So basically, we all stem um, stimulation. So, you know, in a kid with a fidget spinner or something. Basically, that's a stem. So if you're like bouncing your leg up and down. So for autistic individuals, they get this feeling and it feels like based on what I've read, I can't speak for everybody, of course, but what I've read from autistic adults is that it's like a big energy buildup and they just have Mm -hmm. to release it. Yeah. So in my son's case, his, um, stem is flapping his arms. Okay. Yeah. So he, he's always done that. And, um, so I felt pretty confident. I knew that he was autistic and, um, so I walk in and, you know, we get checked in, get called back and the nurse walks in and she says, what brings you here today? I was like, well, I'm pretty sure he's autistic. And she said, oh, thank God. (laughs) And I just, she was so relieved that I was not upset. And I just like, it blew my mind that so many people, I understand that it's something different, but so many people get devastated with the news. So it was definitely an eye-opening experience for me on that one. Parents get devastated over their kids having a mental illness. Like even their yes. adult kids. When I got uh when I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, my mom was just like, Oh, wow. Well, we always knew something was off with you, but we just thought that was just you. <laughs> like, what the hell? Who says that to their kid? Oh so you saw gosh. me struggle I... my entire life and you just were uh-huh. like, eh whatever and I'm just, just like personality quirk just yeah just you know <laughs> my kid goes through these like <laughs> these issues I'm like 
Oh my God. But you know, I, and I don't, not just with my own parents, but I see it a lot on uh, oh, social yeah. media where people like their kid gets diagnosed with something and they're like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, but I will say you special needs parents. I tell you, I'm like, I don't know how you do it because like I had a hard time parenting up until my bipolar di- diagnosis and getting on medication. Like I just, I, I had a hard time just functioning myself. And I'm like, I can't imagine if like I had something additional on top of that, which I did. I, Cameron has ADHD, yeah. <laughs> which I went through the same thing as you did, where you're like, I know something's up, but yeah, nobody else sure. saw something was up. And then finally I like got with the right therapist. Cause we went through several therapists with him. Um, got with the right therapist and she was like I want you to talk to our psychiatrist and I was like oh why and she was I think your son has ADHD (laughs) (sighs) good okay it's not just me something yeah it is such a relief that's how it was for me I was like oh thank god I'm like yeah finally and plus then you know how to handle it right like you yeah I mean you can't like change things but you know how to adapt to be able to help your kid yeah yeah for sure I think that's the big thing is just knowing what's going on so we can do better by them Mm -hmm. because I know I've changed my parenting a lot since his diagnosis I don't want to say like he gets away with certain things but because that just sounds awful (laughs) but um (laughs) if he does something I I have to ask myself why he's doing it right which I should do realistically whether he's neurotypical or neurodivergent but you know it's easier to step back and be like okay maybe something's going on or maybe he has a um sensory need Mm. so yeah yeah it really makes you stop and think right and I've learned so much from your posts um and I had and I have another uh, friend who has an autistic son um, because we has have these preconceived notions of how kids are supposed to behave, right? Which is kind of like mm-hmm. wrong anyways, because every kid, every kid is different. I have four kids. All my kids are different. Um, yeah. What works for one does not necessarily work for another because they all have their own little personalities. But I think we have these preconceived notions on how things are supposed to go. Um, and I've learned so much through your posts um, and, and also through my other friend is like where somebody might see a kid having a tantrum in the store. They might be like, oh, my God, they're a horrible parent. I actually had an older lady say this to me when Lillian laid in the middle of Costco and like literally oh, no. and kicked her feet. And I picked her <laughs> up like under one of my arms and started walking out. And the, and the woman is like she deserves a spanking. And I was like, you need to mind your own freaking business lady. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's always the old ladies. Right? Stores, always. But people like think like, oh, that kid's spoiled or that kid like, mm-hmm. you know, needs a spanking or they need whatever they need to be punished where it might actually have nothing to do with the person's parenting. It may have nothing to do. It, it may be something that like the kid is overstimulated. The school, yeah. the, the store is just too much. Or um, with my friend, we went trick or treating, 
and trick or treating mm-hmm. just became too much. And, and she apologized. She's like, I'm so sorry, but we got to go back home. And I was like, don't apologize. My kids don't need any more candy anyways. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's overstimulating to me. Um, yeah. To be with so many people. I, I am not, I don't like being around a lot of people and it's COVID. No, me either. You know, <laughs> like, still yeah. me. I don't need your germs. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that's it. I don't want them around in normal times, but definitely not COVID times. So no, I'm 100% with you. <laughs> yeah. And I've, you know, I've learned so much from your posts and you talking about like what, you know, what David's gone through is going through and explaining to people um, like, Hey, like you may see this, like this aspect of it, this, but this is what's really going on. Yeah. Um, so what is some of like the pushback or judgment you've dealt with? Oh gosh, so much. I think <laughs> the big one definitely would be in the store. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can't lie. I, we're all guilty of you're in the store, you hear a screaming kid, you're like, no. Yeah. It's just that instant, like, please shut your kid up. Or so, on the airplane. You know, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just nobody likes a screaming kid. Nobody. Right. So, um, definitely the stores. I've had a few people whispering, you know, in the stores. And mm-hmm. Um, in our case, David, (coughs) excuse me, um, David is large, so he's really big for his, um, age. He is a, he is big for his age. I see pictures of him and I'm like, dude, your kid is like full grown there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he is. He is. He wears a size eight and kids and he's three wow. my twins mm-hmm. who were 10 wear size 8 kids. oh my gosh that's awful <laughs> well actually something really interesting about his size so he's always been huge yeah well the um the little boy that also has his chromosome deletion he's really big too hmm. he's almost six foot wow yeah so it might be linked to that we don't know yeah well i know um some of like so some of the sex chromosome um variations can actually cause mm-hmm. people to be taller and bulkier mm-hmm. um so i'm sure it probably has something to do with it i mean i yeah, know it's I'm not really, the same I thing really but yeah, yeah. <laughs> what other yeah, things yeah. have you dealt with besides at the store and people uh yeah totally um, yeah no you're fine with how big he is, he stays in a stroller. Gotcha. So we get a lot of looks for that. People assume that he should be walking. walking. They yeah. think he's a big kid, but we have to worry about elopement, him running, especially if he's stimulated. He has no sense of danger, so he will just take off. Oh, gotcha. So the stro- and the stroller also is a familiar place for him. So... Mm. It's a safe space, and he he's way huge for the stroller. We've tried to transition to a bigger one, but we haven't quite mastered that. Um, <laughs> so we get a lot of looks and questions about his age. Mm. And um, recently, we um, what? Wow, totally lost my train of thought. It's okay. It my happens. brain is gone. <laughs> um. People just expect him to be doing things that a neurotypical kid will do. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially since he's nonverbal. 
And he also has a sensory issue with his feet. So he hates shoes and socks. So Mm. unless it's really, really cold out, we don't push anything. Yeah. But, um, and you know, we're from Virginia. We just moved to South Carolina and (laughs) the people here handle cold very differently. Yes. And Virginia is a pretty Southern state. Well, I always consider myself grow up in the South. Well, now Virginia handles cold a lot differently than us northern people do. <laughs> when oh, I moved I'm down sure. there, I was like, oh, what my the gosh, hell is I'm wrong sure. with y'all? <laughs> yes, I cannot even imagine because we were out here around Christmas time and it was in the 60s and people were bundled up and I got like 50 comments that night about why my kid needed socks. It's just like, please just leave me alone. <laughs> So, yeah, we get a lot of pushback for what he wears, how big he is. I mean, it's just everybody has an opinion. (laughs) Yeah, everybody has. So everybody has opinion about parenting, period. Right. And I can only imagine you have added stress because like it's not like you said, it's not what a neurotypical kid would be doing. Um, Like if you breastfeed, you'll have people who judge you for doing that. If you formula feed, oh my people gosh, judge you, just you for that. Can't win. Yeah, you can't. as a mom, you can't. There is no winning as a mom. There's no. always somebody who has something to say, and I tell people in like each age, each like stage has like its own unique struggles. Like and right now, mm-hmm. my oldest, um, as you know, moved out and she lives on her own, and that comes with its own. Nobody warns you that having adult child is not fun mm-hmm. or easy. And it's almost harder because like they don't live with you. And so you have no control. You have no control. You, over yeah. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. See, I will say that is like something I get. Oh, I feel really lucky that David is special needs. I'm like, you better like live with me forever. Which <laughs> I will not hold him back. If he's independent, great. But yeah. I'm like, if you're not, it's okay. I'll protect you because I just, oh my gosh, the idea of my kid out in the world without me just, yeah, oh, it's just, that wild. is a hard one. Uh, it's just so hard. And then you like, it is, um, yeah. I said like David uh, is wearing the same size clothes as the twins. They were small. Like they were, yeah, so they're actually small for their age. Audrina is about the height of like a second or third grader. <laughs> There are some oh second gosh. graders, like tall second graders, that uh-huh. are taller than her. So. Oh, and then and she David, was. I think he's three six right now. Yeah, she, and she was another one I had to like advocate for because she wasn't growing, and the doctor mm-hmm. was like, "I think she's fine. She just hasn't hit her growth spurt." And I'm like, "You need to look into this because my Cameron was growing and Audrina wasn't." And I was like, yeah. look into this. And so come to find out, she was like really delayed in her growth. She's fine now. She's caught back up. But I was like, you better check my kid out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's such a fear of mine. I think I've had personal experiences with doctors not listening to me. So I just assumed yeah. I would have that fear or that issue with David. And I somehow we just lucked out and um, our doctor in Virginia was just phenomenal and so like so eager to listen to me and do what we felt Mm. and that is hard to find so we were very lucky yeah I mean you had to move so what was it like you just said you you moved from Virginia to South Carolina what was it like to find new doctors 
yeah, that was super intimidating because I mean, let's face it, the South is not known for their best health care. Yeah. I mean, it's just the truth, especially in rural areas, which is an issue all over the US. Mm-hmm. But um we lucked out and I was talking to some people that lived here and we had very similar parenting styles. So I wanted to know what kind of doctor she went to. And she gave me the name of her doctor and luckily he was accepting patients and he's phenomenal. We are so lucky that we hit the checkpot twice for pediatricians. So he was so sweet. He, I really appreciated his ability to tell us like we know best for David. Mm. You know, he asked if we needed referrals to therapy and we turned them down because we've decided a different route for him right now. And, um, it's nice to have a doctor support that. Yeah. Because the whole medical world and autistic adults are kind of at battle with what to do with an autistic child. Mm. So, um, have you heard of ABA therapy? I have briefly, but I'm not familiar, like really familiar and people listening may not be familiar with. um, Yeah. I did have somebody on the podcast like two, two or three years ago and her son is autistic. So, um, she briefly mentioned it, but like, there was not really an explanation. So share away. Okay. So ABA is applied behavioral analysis. So I actually studied this getting my master's certificate in autism because ABA is the only approved treatment for autism, as they say. But the problem is autistic adults claim to have PTSD from ABA. They claim that it's basically torturing them. Oh, wow. So we had David in ABA for about a year. Because, I mean, the minute your child's diagnosed, that's the first thing they want you to do, get an ABA. So, you know, I just listened to the doctors. And so we found an ABA therapist and she was great. She was such a sweet person. But basically what ABA is, is doing a repetitive task and you get a reward for doing it correctly. Gotcha. So that's really dumbed down version. Right. But, um, <laughs> if anybody um, wants to look it up, they can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just the very basic. But where it gets dicey, at least for me, is the amount of hours. So they typically recommend 20 to 40 hours per week. Holy moly. Yeah. So when we met with a B therapist, she initially said something about 20 hours. I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, we'll do a few days. And it was very play-led. So it was basically teaching David to communicate through playing with him. Gotcha. And she was phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely adored her. And I had no issues with the practices where I differ with autistic adults, which of course, like their concerns are valid, but they compare ABA to... um dog training oh because it's outward like you get a treat yeah but I kind of struggle with that because I feel like almost everything in life is you work for a reward you get paid (laughs) yeah you know it's not fun but you work for outward rewards all the time 
So I don't necessarily see that as the negative with ABA, but I definitely have an issue with the hours. I don't think any child needs a part-time or full-time job. Right. Right. So, I mean, I just think that's absurd. I know like scientifically what they say and um, what they recommend, but for me, we never decided to do that. So we just did a few hours a week with him and we did see really good um, benefits from it. He learned to communicate with a, um, a communication device, which we're using his iPad. Gotcha. So that has been super great. But so where the controversy with ABA comes in is that um, ABA, basically they say ABA teaches them how to mask. So what autistic adults call masking is hiding their basic like autistic traits. So like not stimming, trying to hold eye contact, um, any of that. So they say that they're basically, it doesn't change them. It makes them learn to hide who they are. Oh, So that is definitely an issue because ABA really the task, like the goals typically are for them to be more neurotypical. Yeah. Like I noticed a lot of, I see this in a lot of special needs parents too, not wanting their kids to be in a special needs classroom. Like it's just the push for them to do normal kids stuff. Yeah. But to an extent, you're almost hurting the child because you can't, like autism is never going to disappear. Right. And it's not just a childhood thing. So, you know, you're never going to train the autism out of somebody. Yeah. So that's how a lot of autistic adults feel. They feel that they were forced to learn to be compliant. Yeah. And science looks at it as a success because they can appear neurotypical. So instead of teaching them how to function, they're teaching them how to be a different person. Yes. And that is what is a struggle because so with autism, uh, well, at least from my perspective with autism, there are so many things that we underestimate from them because mm. it looks different. Yeah. So one thing I learned, I'm part of this group called Autism Inclusivity on Facebook that is run by all autistic adults. And it's meant for parents caregivers anybody to come in and ask a question from the perspective of autistic adults mm-hmm. so it's a pretty cool group for any of the moms out there it's it's really neat so what I learned from them is that one of the signs of autism is uh, the inability to differentiate between two different items in the same category Oh, so for instance, if you show an autistic child a toothbrush, they'll be able to point out like that toothbrush, but one of the signs is them not being able to point out another toothbrush. Oh, okay. So that, I won't say necessarily a sign. It's something they tend to find when they're doing like their therapy evals. Mm-hmm. Um. But what I learned in this group is that that's not really an autism thing at all. So what has happened is they say, um, because literally one of the adults posed the question, like, why do they think we don't understand this? And so many of the ones that had ABA when they were a child 
and that have like been able to understand um what that kind of did to them they shared that for them um they would be shown the same picture of a toothbrush over and over and they would have to pick that one and they'd get rewarded for it through ABA and then when so when they would try to introduce a different toothbrush they thought they'd be punished or wouldn't get rewarded for pointing that out oh wow yeah so it's something like they almost look at things very black and white yeah I noticed that yeah 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 it's really interesting and it's if we look at things black and white with them we can communicate with them so much better than trying to force them to see like in grayscale right yeah. So that was really eye-opening for me when I when I read that. I just that blew me away. So what are it's you doing David. with David? Yeah. <laughs> Back to David. Uh what are you guys, what are y'all gonna do with David instead of the ABA now? Because so you said we did ABA for right. yeah, we did ABA for a year. And I was really at that point I was really torn between continuing because mm. I hadn't seen everything that they had talked about. So um, I talked to a few ABA people down here in South Carolina, and honestly, I was horrified talking to them. None of them were willing to work with me less than like 20 hours a week. Um, I actually had one tell me 11 hours was the key. And I just, when I even discussed it with his um, ABA therapist at the time, she even said it sounded like somebody just needed to fit something in a schedule. Right. Like what a random amount of hours. So we definitely decided against it as I did more research into it. And um, so with David, one thing I've also learned from this group is, and they have a great point. There's really like, what are you trying to treat with autism? Like mm. with David, yeah, he's nonverbal. So yeah, he could be in speech therapy. And we've tried, we've been on so many waiting lists. At this point, I took them off and we just work on his communication device. So we opted for, um, to not do speech therapy, but like what other thing in autism do you treat? There's really, there's no therapy that's going to get rid of autism. So why put your kid through it if there's not a specific issue? Right. So if they need help with like motor skills or something like occupational therapy, do that. That's great. But they're big. A lot of the autistic adults arguments are, you know, I'm going to be autistic no matter what you put me through. Like, what are, what are we trying to treat here? Right. So it's definitely, it's definitely difficult to figure out which direction to go in. I mean, it's so unique and it's not like they're, um, not that I think medication is the answer to everything, but it's not like there is a medication oh, yeah. out there exactly. for autism. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no medical treatment because it's not even like it's not a disease, right? So it's it's pretty interesting. I've also um, I don't know if you've seen the latest CDC report um, on autism. But no, now it's, the CDC is on my shit list right now. Like, <laughs> you all need to get it together. Come on. No, now. Look, I am 100% <laughs> with you. Um, they released something, I think the end of December, if I'm not mistaken, that um, autism is now in one out of every 44 children when gotcha. it, 
it so it keeps going up the amount of children and so you know that definitely strokes the egos of the people that think that it's caused by a vaccine or oh something my Lord, funny like sweet that. baby jesus yeah that's been really interesting to learn about too but anyway um they um I think it's so important for people to understand that it's not that necessarily anything's causing it. It's that more kids are being recognized with it. Right. We're not just assuming they're acting out or throwing a tantrum. So we're actually getting help. And so that's like, it's actually a really good thing that it's like going up because more kids are getting services. If they do have something they need to work on in therapy. Right. Yeah. They say that. They say that about transgender people too. They're like, oh my gosh, there's more <laughs> transgender people. There's something they're magically wrong. appearing. And I'm like, they've always been around, but now there is a word, right? There's yeah. a community they can uh, connect with. I have a non-binary friend and they were like, growing up, I was struggling. I didn't know how to feel. Um, and they are like, you know, late thirties. So yeah, like when, when we were younger, <laughs> there was no real internet, like, uh, AOL yeah. instant messenger came along when I was like, mm, early high school. So uh-huh. you're, you're talking about like, there was, there was like basic chat forums here and there, but there was nothing like there is now with social media. Right. Oh like yeah. All yeah. this at your fingertips where now, you know, there's a word and there are people who, um, feel the same way and people who have, you know, the same things going on and, and yes, uh, gender identity and autism are completely different things, but it's the same with the, now there's a word and now it's being identified. And now you see, Oh, there's other people too. It's not, it's not just my kid. It is other kids. And, oh, this is not something that I did. There's not something wrong with me or my child. This is a thing. Yeah, no, totally. um, The LGBTQ um, community and the autism community actually overlap a lot. That is something I've learned being in this community. Many autistic adults, I don't even know a percentage, but at least I've seen in this group, identify as non-binary and mm. are part of that community because they don't I think they're freer to be themselves mm-hmm. so that's a really beautiful thing I think there's a lot of overlap in any of those groups though where they're are segregated against or discriminated against mm-hmm. it's all very similar to where we have to break the stigma but we have so many people that still like refuse to let go of the past that I mean, I know I've lost family members to it because I refuse to let that type of thing around my child. Yeah. Like I've had family members tell me that he shouldn't be diagnosed, that he's too young. Oh my Lord. That he's lazy to talk. So in my research, just uh, a side note, and you'll enjoy uh this because you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, Stigma. Uh, higher stigma levels are related to higher levels of right-wing authoritarianism. Oh, nice. So the higher, the more somebody relates now, mind you, they don't come out and say, are you right-wing authoritarian? Like, do you relate to that? There's a scale. 
and you have them take and they they agree or disagree on a certain like a Likert scale. So it's like very much disagree, very mm-hmm. much agree um, with these statements on this scale. And in the stigma research on this it has shown the higher on the 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 higher that they relate to right wing authoritarianism, the higher their stigma level is. Um, so. Yeah, I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> I figured you'd like that because I know exactly the kind of people you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I cannot say I'm surprised and I'd say it checks out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, that stigma is just ridiculous that my kid is just lazy and he's refusing to speak. Like, I and my big pet peeve is it's just the generation okay, and, like, you can change at any point in your life. You can wake up and realize, hey, I'm being a sexist or homophobic or racist, literal Or ableist, ableist yes, when it comes exactly. to David or mental illness or, and, or mental health disorders in any manner. It's ableist when you Yes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, look, Betty White, God bless her soul, just passed away at 99, and that is one of the most woke people- <laughs> Oh my God. Yes. Betty White did everything right in life. I swear. She did. And, and so I saw a post going around Facebook that said like, you can't blame it on a generation. If you, a generation turns out somebody like Betty White, you're choosing ignorance. You're not. Absolutely. Well, one thing that really stuck with me, which I know I never considered in high school is somebody pointed out, like, as long as there's been slaves or, you know, any kind of racism there's been people against it yeah so we're so quick to forget about the people that weren't part of the problem right and so it's unfortunate that we let all these problematic people just because they're an older generation get away with it and they're louder that's the Mm -hmm. thing i've realized they're not the they like to say we're the silent majority y'all aren't silent (laughs) and you also are not the majority they're just louder they make more noise they make more Mm -hmm. waves like they're always catching the headlines and it's always being talked about like these same people because they're louder and they do things that catch more attention than more extreme yeah they're more extreme so yeah we mm mm-hmm yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, but lady, I could talk to you forever about this. I really could. We could do like a whole, like multiple episodes, multiple series. Uh, <laughs> what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with about all of this? Because I know there's so much more you could talk about too. Yeah, I think that if you're just going through this or have a child that you're suspecting may be different, Instead of looking on everything you're missing out on, look at everything you're gaining. Because my kid is literally the happiest child on earth. Like he really they, is. He does so not happy. have a worry. Yeah, he just give him his curious George. He is good. So I think like we're so quick to see, oh, David may never speak or David may never have a job or live independently. You know, and that's very true. He might not, but as long as I'm alive, he will have a very happy life and we will find the joy in anything. I think that's just what is so important. Just find the joy in the moment you can. Yes. And 
like I said, we're, we're, uh, social media friends and he is really such a happy child. He's, uh, he, I mean, <laughs> unless you take a specific picture because he's mad and you're posting about how he's mad, like all the pictures, <laughs> he's just happy. He's excited. And I get excited following his journey. Like he just started, you posted the other day, he just started using a spoon to scoop out some yeah. fruits. Yeah. He, he's a, he just always, he finds joy in the most simple things and it's just so beautiful like you can learn so much from an autistic kid especially if you don't try to take away what makes them special we don't stop them from stimming don't stop them from having their special interests that they learn way too much about let them be very unique and I think that needs to be for every kid yeah let them be who they are I think we spend so much time trying to be turned into something we're not yeah so I think just letting kids be who they are is key so don't try to train the autism out of them right just help them be able to live their lives so that's why I look at like anything like that right any mental health disorder is Mm -hmm. like let somebody learn how to be able to function and live their life but don't try to like take it out of so my psychiatrist said because I'm like, I still have depressive episodes. I still have yeah. episodes. They're just shorter and, and milder. And he was like, you'll never not have them unless you want to be a zombie, unless you don't want to be you and you just want to be a zombie. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was just like, it will never go away. It's part of you. We just want you to be able to manage it. And I was like, okay. But then I think about it. I'm like, I actually am like a really like, bubbly and hyper person even when I'm not manic <laughs> so yeah like, you know there's still uh it's part of your personality you don't get rid of things you just learn to manage them you know I totally needed to hear that whether you knew that or not I oh, God. <laughs> that helped me so much right now I um have been dealing uh which I've let you know before I have like a horrible panic disorder mm-hmm. on top of general anxiety. So my panic disorder, basically I will, especially if I have like anticipation, mm, yeah. I have panic attacks and my panic, atta- panic attacks are real fun and where <laughs> I um, puke and can't talk and it's just awful. So like I travel with trash bags. It's so bad, but medicine helps me but I'm just sitting here still having issues occasionally and I'm like when will this ever go away it's so like I needed that like that's just who I am apparently and it's just gonna be here yeah Hopefully it kind I of just sucks learn to manage it yeah, yeah it kind of sucks a little because you're like shit I gotta live with this for the rest of my life right. but then part of you is like oh okay like this for somebody like for me is normal because I'm like, why can't I just be normal? Why can't my life just be normal? And my therapist is like, this is your normal. (laughs) Yeah. See, I've never even considered it from that angle. I'm glad my therapy could help you too. (laughs) Yeah. Very much appreciate that. Yeah. And she was just like, (laughs) people go through ebbs and flows. I'm like, but mine are more dramatic. And she was just like, Uh it's, it's part of who you are. She's like, it also makes you unique. And I was like, 
well, I'm not sure I want bipolar disorder to be the thing that makes me unique, but thank you. Uh, so, yeah. Like, can I pick again? Yeah. Like, can I, can we go back and, and you know, fix my genetics and my childhood right. so I don't have these issues? Erase some trauma. Yeah. Get rid of that trauma. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure my dad's bipolar as well, but has not been diagnosed with it. I mean, it's pretty obvious now that I, once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? Like, uh, yes absolutely once I saw what what goes on with my disorder like once it was pointed out to me I'm like oh shit yeah yeah I have bipolar disorder um so I see it with my dad too and so I'm just like okay I got the genetics I got the childhood trauma like I got the whole plate of stuff that can contribute Oh my gosh, that is the worst. It's like there's no hope. There's no hope. But yeah, I mean, you don't want to be a zombie and you want to be able to be there for your child so that once in a while you're still going to just as long as it's manageable. That's what I was told. As long as you're able to manage it, you're not going through like long, severe episodes. Yeah. Affected. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Fun little life life sick joke (laughs) yeah but it's also something to keep in mind with with david too you know is like this is he's as long as he's able to in in whatever way y'all need to help him be able to function and to him it's gonna look different it's not gonna look Mm, yeah as other people but as long as he's happy and he's functioning and he's able to enjoy life like yeah, it's definitely life is worth living, even if you can't have an independent life. I've yeah. never understood that stigma with that. Like everybody deserves a good life. Yeah. Everybody. I have so, a co- cousin who um he was diagnosed with Asperger's, and I know that's changed. Like they don't call it Asperger's anymore. It's part of the did you know he's spectrum. a Nazi? Yeah, I know. That's why they don't use it. Yes, yeah, Asperger was, was like, a really what? bad person. Yeah. <laughs> why did we overlook that so much in history? Like, why? I got nothing. I got nothing. Oh, so many God. things. But um, he's he's never lived independently. He's always lived with his mom. Um, but he works and he like you know enjoys his life. And nobody in our family has ever thought. Uh, anything about it right because to yeah. us it's just like oh okay that's that's just what my cousin that, that's his life um yeah so I wish people would more normalize that sort of thing is like isn't it better that somebody has a fulfilling life than to yes, have to absolutely role you think they need to I think that has a lot to do with our society as a whole though like what our expectations on each other are too much too many expectations yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, well, lady, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.